the other day, um, I guess it was a few weeks ago now, <laughs> something terrible happened. It was What's terrifying. That? Um, so I was watching this baby and I was, he was all done with his lunch. So I was picking him up out of his high chair and I was sitting in one of the dining room chairs that was right next to the high chair. Now, um, these dining room chairs are like wood and the floor is also wood. So they like slide pretty easily hmm. on the floor. <laughs> so I'm picking this guy up and he's a big, a big baby. He's like 30 pounds. And I am going to like sit back down onto my chair like with him, like I'm just like trying to pull him onto my lap basically. Somehow when I'm sitting backwards, I miss the chair. Like my my butt just like grazes the chair and it slides <laughs> out from under me. <laughs> so I fall on the ground with him on top of me and he's like, his little legs hit the ground, but like no other part of him. But <laughs> I was so scared and he was so scared. We are both just like crying. <laughs> And I just like sit on the ground for a few minutes afterwards, just like holding him, being like, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's the only time I've ever come, come close to dropping that baby. Just traumatic. Just, just dropped you instead. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> You're listening to No Good Parents. I'm Brian. And I'm Ariel. Now, do not mistake this podcast for anything remotely helpful or educational. The world of No Good Parents is based in a reality that just doesn't exist in this world uh there are no rules no such thing as child abuse <laughs> and if you want if you want some like real advice on parenting like we're not your people this is not the podcast for you go listen to something else with someone else that's <laughs> <laughs> particularly knowledgeable about raising children <laughs> Uh, this week, we're talking about kids hurting themselves uh, and hurting other kids, too. So for kids, boo-boos, you know, are just like a part of life. So let's just get into some scenarios. Okay. Your toddler loves to run and climb and jump, but unfortunately, her coordination doesn't always match up. <laughs> Sorry. To her physical ambitions and she falls down a lot whether or not she is actually bleeding she always wants a band-aid whenever she falls down what do you do yeah i mean you, you know i know you're you're not gonna like this but i think the world is much nicer to young ladies when they're hurt so i say give her the band-aid um you know if having the band-aid makes her feel better then i don't really see what the problem is um you know this would obviously be different if she was a boy uh, but a girl's always going to be protected by the men in her life or the men around, you know, wow, guys just want to do the wow. white knight thing. So you don't really need to toughen the girl up, you know, uh, you know, um, girls are fragile and they need to be tended to. I don't like this uh, at all. I don't like this idea of traditional gender roles. I don't like necessarily assigning those gender roles to little kids. It's a lot. Well, I mean, listen, she's already there. She's asking for band-aids. But uh, little boys ask for band-aids too, don't they? Yeah, but they like cooler band-aids. How do you know? Bad boys. But you have has a little girl ever asked you for a band-aid? 
How do you know she doesn't want a, a quote unquote cool bandaid? What even is a cool bandaid? A cool bandaid is something with Star Wars on it. I mean, this isn't like is a, that the only thing that could be. A I cool think band-aid? I think literally if you were to Google search right now, cool bandaids, you'd only see Star Wars bandaids. So, yes. <laughs> I mean, you don't think that a unicorn bandaid would be really cool? No, no, I don't. And it would look weird on my boys. All right. You sexist. <laughs> sexist. I'm just um, old fashioned, Ariel. Uh, gross. Um, I think that band-aids are just in general, pretty bad for the environment, like little plastic band-aids. We're, we're killing the earth. If we overuse the band-aids, right? The band-aids are really doing it. Yeah. Um, do your part. And I think we should be, um, making uh, alternatives to those plastic store-bought band-aids. So if, if I were in a situation where I had a little one who was asking for band-aids frequently, I would have to come up with some sort of like cloth reusable band-aid situation in order to feel okay with that. Yeah. I think, you know, it's probably a good idea to reuse that stuff. There's probably no danger of reinfection. What about, um, I think maybe go like the indigenous route and use leaves. So we could use it as sort of an opportunity for nature exploration together. Like she falls down in the park, then we go off to forage for some leaves to make her a Band-Aid. Huh. Huh. Do you think when the the little girl's screaming and crying about a a, a boo-boo and needs to get a Band-Aid now, that's the time where you take her out to forage and learn? Yeah, absolutely. She'll forget mm-hmm. about being hurt. She'll be excited about the adventure. Win-win. So just uh, one more follow-up question, and then we can move on. Um, are you particularly knowledgeable about which leaves you can use, or, or are you just going to mm-hmm. randomly pick them off trees? Because I'm just thinking leaves there might be some leaves you can't be. use. Leaves of three, let them be. So that's the poison oak and the poison ivy, so don't use those ones. Huh. It's weird. I've always heard that. And you know... I'm obviously an outdoorsman, but I can tell you they all look like leaves of three. I'm that's, that's just when I'm, that's it. That's, I don't think that's a good one. Cause they all look like they got three. Well, you know, I would absolutely have to do a little bit more research on which leaves make the best band-aids. So, so before the little crying girl gets a bandage, she's got a forage learn and you got to Google which leaves to use. Yep. We're going to do all of that. Yeah. I mean, that seems good. What could go wrong, right? How about this scenario? Uh, Your five-year-old is a tough little guy, as he should be, uh, and he loves roughhousing with his friends. He's often bigger and stronger than his friends and ends up hurting them more than he means to, you know, when they play. So in that scenario, what do you do? So this little boy sounds like he would be excellent at martial arts. Um, So I think what I would do is I would get him enrolled in a local martial arts program, like whatever, whatever we've got going on, we've got jujitsu, karate, whatever, Um, just something that will allow him to channel that strength and aggression in a way that also teaches discipline. Aggression, huh? Yeah. Hmm. If he, if, if, um, kids that are engaging in like faux violence as play, they're probably getting a little bit of aggression out. I don't know. Huh. 
Well, this one is kind of near and dear to me because, you know, I have two boys and they're both monsters. They always have been. Um, they're just they're they, they're big kids. They're like daddy. Um, and uh, so, like, this is a conversation I've, I've like really had to have with with my my littlest guy who's a big little guy. So I'll just, I'll, I'll adult it up for you. Uh, but the conversation goes something like this, you know, it's the old gods and clods thing, right? Some boys are just alphas. And I don't think we should discriminate against strong, assertive children just because society feels threatened by those qualities. All right. <laughs> uh, perhaps the parents of the other children should be more concerned that their kids are so weak. <laughs> so Again, they're the ones who need to go to karate class, not your not your son. Well, if they keep getting their butts whooped, then obviously they should do something to learn how to protect themselves. I'm just saying. Now, I, I think um, if the other children weren't really strong enough to roughhouse, they, they probably, you know, should just like join the chess club because there's no violence in a chess club. I don't but what think. about at recess when I mean, they can play chess. Nobody's ever gotten hurt playing chess. I'm just saying. It's, it's hard to get hurt because it's hard to understand the game. That's how that works. And and I just think in this world of survival of the fittest, um, those other children have absolutely no chance of surviving any potential doomsday scenario uh, like my big little guy does. And those children, you know, they got to get this sorted out before high school. Otherwise, you know, those kids are going to have a bad time. All right. So martial arts for everyone is what I'm hearing. No, no. I'm, I'm just saying martial arts for the, the betas, you know. <laughs> Your kid's rolling alpha and he's knocking the other kids out. You're doing fine. But think about how much, how much more powerful he would be if he knew how to channel that energy rather than just in like random chaotic violence. I see. I like, I don't, you know how uh, this kid is uh, in this scenario is five years old. I, you know, I don't really know if that's uh, a real thing. Um, you know, I could see that being a thing for like, uh, you know, an 18 year old kid or a 16 year old kid, maybe. But I don't know if like five is the discipline age in that respect. And, you know, I mean, it's just that's me. I think it's I've tried, you know, I've tried to take a lot of young students on like teaching like music and stuff. I will tell you, there's there's just um, there is an age below where it, and, and I'm not you know, I'm not a great teacher or anything i'm not like professionally trained but i mean there's just an age below where the, the attention span and i don't i just don't know that they can handle it interesting all right i could be wrong what do i know i mean i'm usually right but <laughs> i could be we're never wrong on this show <laughs> i love it's, that's right so i love this gig that's awesome <laughs> we always get to be right um all right i'm giving you the next scenario all right, your one-year-old baby is walking around a lot and usually pretty good at falling right on his squishy diaper butt. However, he's also pretty good at banging his head against walls, cabinet doors, coffee tables, you name it. What do you do? Yeah, I know this is uh, this tough, especially for the first-time parent. You know, the, the, with the first kid, you're always like, oh my gosh, he just hurt himself. And, you know, and then with the second baby, you're like, oh, he's fine. That's just how that works. So I think it's important to, to remember, especially if this is your first baby and this is your experience that, you know, babies are a lot tougher than most of us think. Um, I think it's an evolutionary skill uh, to be, they look adorable and they look helpless, but I think they're tougher than you think. Um, now, listen, I get that their skulls aren't like fully hardened yet at a year old, but they, I mean, they probably have enough protection. Right. Um, and I think if a parent is, you know, that concerned, perhaps uh, they should invest in some type of armor. 
Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't suggest that though, because you wouldn't really be teaching them to take care of themselves that way, right? You just oh, let the armor protect you. You know, I've been, well, again, you got to take the blows of life. That's just how it works. It would be really hard to change a diaper if a baby's in like a full body armor outfit. Like, that's a whole extra step. Yeah, I mean, for real. And the diaper blowout between you and the diaper blowout, and he's, you've got to re- remove his chain mail. Oh, and then, I mean, and then if it gets all stuck in there, you know, that's just a nightmare. How do you clean the armor? Yeah. So, you know what? You're probably right. It's probably best in this case to just let fate play out. And, you know, if the baby can survive repeated blows to the head, uh, then I think the baby will eventually be stronger for it. Maybe that baby can go up against your (laughs) five-year-old. I mean, why not? Right. I mean, listen, again, it's life, right? Somebody wins, somebody loses how it goes. If the baby can sustain multiple head injuries and be okay that baby go to martial arts ariel if the good lord wants you to be concussed then you have to be concussed even if the concussed is a baby that's just the way it works (laughs) true story okay i have a different idea um that's weird yeah i know um so i think i'd like to like tap into some magic uh, <laughs> tap into some magic and uh, use a protection charm on the baby. Oh, you're you're serious? Okay. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. So what you do when you're when you're practicing magic, you first have to cleanse your uh, ritual space. So whatever space you're going to cast a spell in, you have to cleanse before mm. it can become sacred. Like and with, then, with like cleaning solutions. <laughs> no, am I missing it? No, usually uh, burning sage is good. Oh, uh, fires around children are usually safe. So yeah, um, I don't think I don't know that you'd want to use a baby's room as uh, your magic space. Usually, you want your own space to practice magic. So maybe in your bedroom, in an office, in a living room, wherever you have space. Magic studio or something. Uh-huh. Wherever you have space to set up your little altar. Um, and, uh, protection charms are pretty simple. So what you have to do is, uh, you take a small piece of paper and draw the air symbol. So it kind of looks like a weird little T. So look it up. If you need to look it up, uh, the air symbol. Oh, I mean, everybody knows where that is. You don't have to look. I mean, it's common knowledge. Um, I mean, if you look at like astrology, the symbol for air signs, anyways, Harry Potter, Uh yeah, all of it. Um, and then whatever kind of stone you want to use to create this charm. So a gem would be nice. Tourmaline, anything. Does jewelry work? Uh, you can absolutely put this on a necklace. I, I actually think that that's the route I would go and just cast this protection charm on a necklace and then have the baby wear the necklace, even when it's sleeping, it's protect, it's protected. Um, (laughs) and, uh, so you draw an air sign, wrap it around the gem and you focus the channeled energy by saying the words, I make this charm for protection, but by preparing the ingredients with affection. Take my energy in this time, return it back a life sublime. And then- You know what I've always loved about magic charms and spells? I'm sorry to interrupt, (laughs) but my favorite thing is that it always rhymes. Yeah, it's like a little poem. It's because you would think you could just say what you needed to say as you're wiggling whatever it is in the air, 
going like protect the baby, but no. The, Is it that what your, that's what your spell would be? It would just be protect the baby over and over again? No, no, I wouldn't try to use a fake force to try to protect the baby. <laughs> I would I would just buy it a helmet. Okay, okay. Well, I think the charm is much sexier than a helmet, but um, right. now you unwrap the stone, tear the paper into several pieces, and we want to incorporate air, which is the element of protection, which is why you're tearing the paper into several pieces. Then you take a long sacred breath in, feel the positive energy, and then blow the pieces of paper out of your hand onto the gem. It is complete. Huh. Mm -hmm. So you think you're just going to have a clean breath after you've been burning all that sage in closed doors. Huh. So sage the area, cast the protection charm, put the necklace on the baby, and then the baby will be protected. Yeah, don't do it out of order. Otherwise, it goes the opposite way. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the No Good Parents podcast. We'll get into more scenarios right after this. Little girl, it is time to go to the park. No, it is not time for me to get you another snack. I packed more snacks for the park, so let us get moving so you can enjoy your comestibles on a blanket spread across the soft grass. Little girl, let's put on sunscreen so you don't turn into a tomato like that one time when we forgot to do it. Yes, you can absolutely put it on yourself. No, not on the couch. Now it's dripping onto the carpet too. Let's rub it all in so it doesn't make more of a mess, okay? Do you want to help me put sunscreen on your little brother too? Watch him as he screams and squirms in discomfort. I know you find it hilarious and it brings you joy to watch him resist our hands, smothering him in white goop. Little girl, do you want to bring any of your stuffed animal friends to the park today? While I admire your inclusive nature that causes you to want to bring four friends, I sincerely doubt your ability to hold on to four of them without dropping any out of the stroller. No, I can't carry any of them for you while I'm pushing the stroller, for I am only a human with two hands and both will be sufficiently occupied with pushing the stroller. I know that your friends may feel the sting of rejection at being tossed aside, but you will have to narrow down your selection to two friends today, and maybe the other ones can join you another day. Little girl, should we bring a bag of chalk to the park today? Your artistic pursuits are a constant delight to me, and the world deserves for you to share your gifts. Yes, I will always be happy to help you draw a hopscotch for you to tire yourself out by jumping on. Any activity that leads to your peaceful repose is my pleasure to support. It is entirely for your own good and has nothing to do with my personal desire for an hour of quiet in the house this afternoon. Little girl, are you going to beat me to finish getting ready today? Even if you take approximately 1,000 baby screams to finish putting your shoes and hat on, somehow it always takes me longer. Curious how it always happens this way almost as though I am moving extra slowly on purpose because I see that it gives you satisfaction to win the race. 
Little girl, please don't open the door before I have my shoes on. It would be extremely unfortunate if you ran out of the house into the street and a truck full of hicks didn't see your tiny form and ran you over. Okay, little girl, you can open the door now. Please wait until I have successfully maneuvered the stroller down the stairs before you climb into your seat. As I have explained numerous times to you, it is simply too heavy to negotiate the stairs with the stroller with both you and your brother sitting in it. All right, little girl, go ahead and sit down. I'm sorry for pinching you accidentally as I try to buckle all four seatbelts around your body to protect you from flying out of the stroller and into danger. No, you cannot ride in the stroller without the seatbelts. We've had this discussion before, little girl. Okay, now let's get moving. What a beautiful day for a walk to the park. The sun is shining. The temperature is perfect. Not too hot yet. What's that, little girl? You have to poop? Okay, I suppose we'll just turn around and go back. That will be fine. Welcome back to No Good Parents. This week we're talking about kids getting ouchie boo boos. <laughs> I'm so I didn't write that. I wrote that there. <laughs> Very uncomfortable with having said ouchie boo boos. Uh, so we're dealing with scenarios with owies like this one. Oh, uh, I was hoping you wouldn't read this before you had to say that and you <laughs> worked so well. <laughs> the weird part is that I, I did read it and then at some point thought it was okay to say it. I was busy that day. All right. So in this scenario, your nine-year-old boy and his five-year-old brother have decided that they think it's hilarious to try and sneak attack each other and injure each other in the crotch. Um, (laughs) It's like high school. Uh, They are more or less constantly trying to kick or punch each other in the genital area. (laughs) So what do you do? All right. So... uh... This is sort of taking me back to one of the earlier prompts. Uh, Again, I want to reiterate that uh, only practicing martial arts uh, would help. So they're more, so they're more effective with, with hitting each other in the nuts. Well, maybe it would teach. I think, I I don't know anything about martial arts really besides like it. There's no, there are no spells in magic uh, in martial arts. That's yeah. That's what I've heard anyways. Um, But maybe in martial arts class, they would learn. Uh, respectful rules of engagement when you're fighting someone usually doesn't include attacking someone's genitals. Hmm. Um, But I also think it's really interesting that they have fixated on that specifically sort of like symbols of each other's masculinity that they're attacking. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that potentially they need to be taught the, the more protective side of masculinity. So one of the most beautiful parts of masculine energy is that uh, nature of being the protector. And instead of perpetrating violence against each other, sex organs, they should be sort of embracing that masculine energy as um, being uh, protectors of it instead. So I want to protect that masculine energy and I want to protect those around me. I, I want to use violence 
only when necessary to protect people, basically. Hmm. So, so, like, so you think the five-year-old in this situation should be concerned about protecting other people's genitals? Yeah. That's where we're getting to. Okay. I think that he needs, I mean, assuming that these boys identify as men and they identify as male, they're going to grow up to be men. And part of the responsibility of being a man is protecting their loved ones, not hurting people. Interesting. Well, I I should first say, and I think this has to be said, uh, I, I, I don't have any siblings. I'm an only child. But I do imagine this is very regular behavior, particularly between brothers. And I think this is very common. And I honestly can say that we were violent with each other as well. So in the genitals? No. <laughs> okay. So I, I think this is common not only amongst boys, but also men. Like, because we're constantly trying to hit each other in the crotch in a totally not gay way, right? <laughs> Regardless of age. And I think the, the, and I think you kind of touched on this, the desire to uh, like assert one's dominance through genital warfare um, <laughs> is a real thing. And it never ceases for men at any point in our lives. Um, I still play this game with, with most of my long-term friends. We're always trying to knock each other in the nads. It's just how it works. And I, and I think uh, this is sort of an innate thing that only prepares young men for the brutal friendships that occur between strong young men. Um, so again, I just think this behavior is completely normal. But what um, if they I, actually hurt themselves? Well, I mean, how bad can it be? Seriously. And, no, and, and, you can get really bad injuries in the. Oh, stop. Stop. Listen, I'm just saying, it, I, I don't think it should be, you should protect your brother's genitals. I think it should be, you should protect your genitals from your brother, which will eventually be your friends. I mean, this is, this is guy stuff. And I think it's going to happen for a long time. So you got to be, you got to be, you know, comfortable with taking one uh, to to the jewels because that's just going to happen. And you, you know, you don't want to see that happening. Like, you know, you want that to happen to you socially. And then, you know, the, the kid doesn't know how to handle it. This is just, you know, it's practice. Hmm. Okay. Well, then. I mean, it's been, listen, it's completely heterosexual, like all throughout our life. I just want to reiterate that, that he, when I play this game, you know, yeah, my friends, I, it's completely heterosexual. There's nothing, you know, different about it. <laughs> different? Yeah, it's just it's like this is, you know, it's not a gay thing. It's just uh, um, it's it's a it's a masculine thing to do to touch your friend's genitals in, a, in an aggressive fashion. I think you can be masculine and be gay now. I'm not, I'm not saying you can't, but you can't be a masculine hetero guy. And and. And not like you just keep, you and know what I'm saying? Like, you can't have like gay thoughts about music. when you're touching your friend's stuff. <laughs> so that's all I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. You have done what every parent and caregiver dreads and tries to avoid at all costs. You have dropped the baby. Oh, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. The baby is not seriously injured, but is understandably scared and a little in shock. What do you do? Well, I think, first of all, you cannot say a word to the mother of that child. Well, that will only end badly. Child. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, how often does a mom drop the baby? It's usually dad. I'm just saying. <laughs> so I, so I, I, I'm, not, I'm not admitting to anything. So I'm not saying this comes from experience. But I'll reiterate the first point 
You cannot say a word to the mother of that child. Um, I also think it's important to not go to the hospital because then, you know, you're going to have to answer all the child abuse questions and, and they're really invasive and it's kind of a pain. Um, and it's probably best just to like calm the child and quickly try to get the baby to sleep it off for a while. I, I think that's a very effective way to go about it. And if you suspect the child has any serious injuries, you want to Google home remedies for whatever the ailment. Otherwise, again, those pesky child abuse questions, right? Who wants that? So most importantly, deny everything. You never admit this out loud to anyone, certainly not on a podcast. That would be ridiculous. I wouldn't even talk about this to your religious leaders. This is between you, your child, and the Lord. Ends there. <laughs> okay. Um, so I, I, I'm going to tap into some magic here because- Oh, goody. Uh, again, I think that magic is really the best remedy for, for this kind of situation. Now, um, you know, good thing in this, in this particular scenario, hypothetically, baby's not hurt. Phew. Okay. <laughs> okay. Cause then we might have to involve Western medicine. That gets all tricky. Um, I know child abuse questions. I'm not even kidding terrible. But, uh, so what you want to do in this case is you don't want the baby to remember that this ever happened. You don't want the baby to be traumatized. You don't want like memories to come up later when the baby's in therapy as an adult, like if oh. the baby hits its head hard enough um, when you drop it, you might not have to worry about the memories at all. <laughs> okay. But assuming again, no serious injury to the baby. Mm. I mean, how serious if they just happen to wipe out that one little memory from their time with daddy? Well, instead of the head injury wiping out one specific memory, uh, we're going to cast a spell to wipe out one specific memory. Ooh, I like this. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to cast a spell to forget. You want the baby to forget that you dropped him or her. Because, you know, no good can come of them remembering that. Yeah, it's like, you know, the dead men tell no tales thing. In this case, it's just <laughs> charmed Drop babies tell no tales. It doesn't remember being dropped is fine. As long as it is physically fine. Anyway. I'm going to take notes here, by the way, so speak slowly. Okay. Step one, you cast the circle, your magic circle. When you're, when you're doing spell work, always a good idea to cast a circle around yourself, which is the magic circle. Cast magic sure. okay <laughs> and step two begin by placing mustard and walnuts inside a bag and sealing it in the same bag uh-huh does anybody have to eat that that's gross i don't think so i'm not there yet oh. anyways oh, okay anyways um step three meditate for two minutes, imagining the thought you need to remove from the target. So you are meditating for two minutes, imagining dropping the baby and removing that thought from the baby's mind. <laughs> Step four, write the thought that you need the target to forget on the index card on an did index you, card. Did you just call the baby the target? Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm okay with that. <laughs> In the context of magic, I think it's perfectly valid. <laughs> <laughs> um write the thought that you need the target to forget on an index card in the pen or marker okay so you write um 
this person dropped me <laughs> in pen so so on an It has to be from the baby's perspective. I don't know. I'm just assuming that it does. I, that seems like it would work better. Um, cause that is, do you that need would, a license for this or is it no, anybody? Can absolutely not. Anyone who can, who wants to tap into their magical powers can do this stuff. Oh, okay. Magic is for everyone. Um, step five, place the thought inside the bag with the mustard and the walnut and you seal the bag. And then uh, step six is imagine what life would be like currently if the target did forget the thought. So you think about that for another two to three minutes. So baby has, for it, it, it was like it never happened. Baby's not mad at you. Baby doesn't need therapy. No trauma oh. happened to the baby. Um, and, and then what do we do with the, the, the bag full of walnuts and mustard? And the index card with the thought. And that too, right. Right. I think we're getting to that. Step seven. You oh, close, there's a step seven. Close the circle and bury the bag outside your home somewhere, approximately one foot deep. That's, I got shovels. We're good. Yeah. So uh, you, you, you're sort of literally burying the thought so that the baby will figuratively bury the thought after oh. you, you know. I mean, this, this sounds, this sounds legitimate to me. I think this would be the ultimate solution to any kind of problem that would come and you can feel better about it. You haven't traumatized the baby. The baby doesn't remember a thing. You and the baby are all good. Yep. Baby never remembers anything (laughs) ever because you dropped it. (laughs) Can you do it? It happens. Just say it. It happens. It didn't I mean, not, happen, though. I, it didn't happen to me. I've seen it on TV. Just that's happen. all I'm saying. <laughs> this is I, like I love this because I hear, I hear, I hear the music. So, like, that just tells me that it is time for no good news. Oh, your favorite. It is my favorite. I like all the stuff that has music. Um, so, no good news. If it's your first time hearing, uh, no good parents. No good news is. Um, a little section of the podcast we do uh, that talks about parents in the news. Not necessarily good parenting or bad parenting, just a, a parent in the news, and then we discuss it. Um, so in this situation, this week, uh, there was a Reddit discussion that was picked up by Parents.com. You know how they like to do that whole thing. Uh, and, and the question posted to one parenting subreddit was asking whether a child who is grounded should be allowed to text their friends about their grounding so that the friends don't think that the grounded child has just instead disappeared, right? So the poster said, um, I get that this might be controversial. So they, and they don't think that they're ghosting, they're being ghosted by their friend? That's pretty much it. She said, you know, um, uh, the well-being of our kids will always come first, but just think of that other kid for a minute. One day they have a best friend. And then the next, they've been ghosted. For a lot of teens, the sudden absence can be really confusing. Uh, So uh, we'll address it here. Like, should your grounded child be allowed to text their friends to make the friend aware that they were indeed grounded? Okay. I have thoughts. I figured you might. Really simple. Really simple. Um, Grounding is grounding. And uh, reliance on technology isn't really something that we should be like engaging with 
in our lives, regardless of grounding. So this doesn't have as much to do with the grounding and more just with uh, communication in general. Um, I think you should, I think that we should be teaching kids how to communicate outside of technology. So if part of the grounding, which I'm not sure that I fully agree with anyways, I don't know. I don't know. Grounding is kind of iffy for me, but anyways, assuming that you are, uh, grounding your child and part of that grounding is taking away their technology, then, um, they are allowed to communicate with their friends to let their friends know that they're grounded, but they have to use some other form of communication. So what I would do is I would provide my kid with a beautiful stationery and a pen and we're going to go and drop off handwritten letters to all of your friends' houses to let them know that you're grounded for X amount of time. And here is, mm-hmm. here is the letter that says, this is how long I don't have my phone for. So, so just so I'm clear on this. So you're against the text messaging because it's, it's, it's technology and, and, but you're okay with the communication so handwritten letter. Right. I mean, I, okay. I think that one of the, one of the proposed solutions for this uh, by someone else was that they would be allowed to send texts to all of their friends initially to let them know that they were grounded. Huh. And I think in theory, that's, that's fine, but I just don't think we need the technology involved. Like we can go communicate with those people in person and that's going to be more authentic anyways. I was kind of concerned for a moment that you and I were going to agree on something, but I realized that we really don't um, <laughs> because I, my issue is not the technology. I, I just, I, I first would say that I do not care one bit about my kids' friends. Um, they're for like, you know, the friendships are for the, my kids to manage, not me. They're not my friends. Um, so, you know, kids have nothing to do with me whatsoever. They're friends. So, you know, why am I going to get involved uh, in this or worry about them? Uh, as far as I'm concerned, those friends are either current or future accomplices to whatever crimes they commit. So I have absolutely no sympathy for them whatsoever. That's just the way I feel about it. Uh, the other kids are the other parents' responsibility. I'm not a, it takes a village kind of person. So are you going to tell the, uh, your kids, friends, parents that your kids grounded? No, I don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> and my kids screwed up. I didn't. Why do I have to talk to anybody? <laughs> I think a grounding is a grounding. So you and say they should just tell them in school when they see them. I mean, I don't care what they do at school. They're just, they're not going to use a cell phone. A grounding is a grounding. And that means absolutely no cell phones or devices. And not because like, I mean, if they thought cell phones and their devices were awful, I'd be like, no, you just spend your time doing that. But they think they're the coolest things ever. And they're like talking to their friends. So that, that's like the first thing I'm taking away. And I'm doing a hard line on that. The kids are going to learn. Don't piss daddy off. That's just, you know, again, that's how I feel. And I think in this case, my child should be way more concerned about like repenting for whatever they've done wrong in an attempt to make me happy because I'm going to be around forever. But their <laughs> friends, you know, friends are only temporary. That's just the truth. You're probably going to die before their friends do. I'll live forever. (laughs) Just to spite them. (laughs) Listen, man, I'm telling you, I got a bunch of rice and all kinds of stuff. We're ready for zombie apocalypse. (laughs) You'll live forever. 
Um, do you have blood pressure medication stocked up? <laughs> well, not only going to doctors, but that's not really the point. It's not the point. <laughs> I have, I have, there are plenty of natural uh, things to relax yourself. <laughs> um, what is that? That stuff, valerian root. I don't. Melaton- not- I don't know. My my dad takes this. I don't know what this stuff is, but he he says good. Instead of blood pressure medication from a doctor, uh, he probably takes that too. <laughs> but whatever. Anyways. Anyway. So yeah. I just say no. That's a hard line. No, you don't get to talk just with your say friends. No. So if, for, for just to recap, neither of us letting the kids have their cell phone to text their friends, to let them it's, know they're grounded. It's weird because we almost agreed on something and we kind of did, but for all the wrong reasons you're doing. Right. No, totally I wrong. see. I'm, I'm respectful of their relationships and I want to support them uh, maintaining those authentic relationships but uh, I just don't think they need to use technology in order to do that. I think that you, allowing them to use technology to do that would be like an excuse. Hmm. Like I hand them their phone so they can text their friends and they're just going to end up being on YouTube or whatever. I mean, and listen, I think, I think that's fair. Um, maybe you should do a magic circle so that their phone can't access YouTube anymore. I don't know. I'll look into that. You should. I'm sure it's in that book somewhere. <laughs> All right, um, next we have our food and beverage pairing. Yay! Um, so this is how we close out every episode. Uh, we're going to pair some kid-friendly foods with less than kid-friendly drinks, usually. Yeah, you know, you know those foods you always have in your refrigerator? Always. <laughs> They're just there. They just live no, there. You're not sure how old they are. Because kids live in your house and, and they just always want this stuff. <laughs> but this this week's food is actually really like a personal favorite of mine. And my beverage that I'm pairing it with is also a personal favorite of mine. So this all week right. is all, all good for me. Um, and we're pairing baby bell cheese with drinks. So, you know, That's that the, little the famous cheese in the red wax wrapper. Yeah. The little round, delicious white wrapped in red wax. Don't eat the wax. Uh, you know, some people, some people aren't sure about that one, but, uh, yeah, not edible. But it's funny. Cause if you ever like open that stuff up, you can see there's like paper in there. Did you ever, um, did you ever make little like wax figures with the, the baby bell wax? No. Cause I think what I did when I was younger is I would, uh, take that wax and like sort of melt it using like the heat in my palms and I would make like little cats and dogs with it. <laughs> like I think so. I think somebody else had that idea and that's how the makers Mark whiskey happened. <laughs> oh, got that. yeah. They got that. It's, it, it looks like the same you wax think but what, from baby bell. <laughs> yeah. But we'll get to my baby bell pairing later. What do you got Ariel? Okay. So um, on the first glance of the baby bell cheese and the first bite, you think, oh, that, that looks like it's kind of, it's kind of like mozzarella. It looks mild, looks soft. Hmm. You bite into it. And, uh, as it lingers on your palate, you realize it's got a little bit of, got a little bit of something to it. It's a little bit mustier. It's a little bit, has a little bit more bite. It's a little bit nutty and earthy, definitely a lot more flavor than mozzarella. Mm-hmm. So you need to pair it with something fruity. So fruity wine. So if you're going to go red wine, something jammy, like a Pinot, 
But because I am a basic girl from California, specifically Northern California, there is a wine that is near and dear to my heart that would pair perfectly with baby bell cheese. And that is the Rombauer Chardonnay, fondly known, um, fondly known in my circle of friends as cougar juice. (laughs) Okay. Because, uh, uh, you know, uh, sometimes older women also enjoy a Rombauer Chardonnay and it's, a, it's a very classic Napa style Chardonnay and it tastes of apples and pears and summer and deliciousness pairs hmm. perfectly with the baby bell cheese. Okay. That's interesting. It's interesting. I, I, I struggled with this, uh, somewhat because as you know, I'm more of a beer and, and, and bourbon kind of guy. So yeah. I really, I really try to imagine. I have to think it would be weird to pair bourbon with cheese. Yeah, totally, totally. And I, and I feel even kind of the same with beer. I could be totally wrong on that, but uh, so I really tried to like, you know, uh, I mean, focus hard, like focus uh, in on wines. Sure. And I, I came to, to the, uh, a similar conclusion that a sweet wine would really work here. And normally like my sweet go-to would be a Riesling. Mm. I probably said that wrong, but either way. Um, but I was sitting and I was listening to some country music and, and, and I realized like a Moscato, like, isn't that like what a Muscadine grape thing? That is really, a very sweet wine. Very sweet. And, 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 but to that, that point that you made, like you, you look at it and then it, the cheese and then you take the bite and there is something in there and and i'll if i try to describe it i'll use a lot of words that don't make sense but there's something and i think that the moscato would work really really well uh just you know kind of how i imagine it going um and yeah like i said i mean i can't do like a beer or liquor pairing here because i just you know if you're ever out and you're you're drinking bourbons or i mean whatever your your drink of choices and then like you came home after a night out and you're like ah you know you do that thing when you, you got a little buzz on and then you hit the refrigerator, like, oh, what can I, what Snap can I eat on. that I wouldn't normally eat here at 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night. And, and if you saw the baby bell after a night of hard liquor, you'd be like, mm. I don't know what I'm eating, but I'm not eating that. No, I think after a night of hard liquor, you just want bread. Like something with bread. I don't know. See, it's weird because usually if I'm doing that, it's usually like, I know that, the uh the the ugly part of drinking is going to happen next so i really just try to think about what's going to come out the easiest that's just gross what a good note to end on yep. <laughs> brian doesn't want to puke up baby bell after a night nope. of drinking thank no, you and i listening. can't imagine it going any other way thank you for listening to no good parents <laughs> so much thank you so much thank you we really appreciate it um make sure you are subscribed hit the subscribe button so you know right away whenever we have a new episode um download our episodes listen tell us what you think feel free to send us an email at nogoodparents at gmail.com and yeah seriously if you do if you do a podcast it's actually beneficial to people who have kids or or around kids yeah we'd love to hear from you We'd also um, so, love to give you an opportunity to make fun of us. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I mean, and shoot, even if you've, if you've written a kid's book, uh, Ooh, get fun. in touch with us. We'd love to we'll promote your book. I mean, 
you yeah. know, obviously you can come on the show and know one thing about parenting and you'll be doing better than us. So you're going to look like a genius next to us. It's a good plan for you. I'm just saying. Yep. All right. See Join you. us next week. Bye.